Warning. This issue of Nil Desperandum is rated R for violence, strong language, and adult situations. Listener discretion is advised. Nil Desperandum 12 Miracle Texas by Deanna Nippling. Deanna is a freelance writer and editor from Colorado. Her first book, Choose Your Doom, Zombie Apocalypse, was released in November 2010. Miracle Texas by Deanna Nippling If he'd meant to leave his wife for her, he shouldn't have shot her horse. Justine waved to the banditos and hefted her saddlebags. She'd sold the banditos her saddle and tack in payment for the ride from El Paso to Miracle, Texas. They'd heard of Marguerite's Amazons and therefore weren't prepared to risk doing her bodily harm, but they weren't going to give her a ride for free. She walked the last mile and a half, one foot in front of the other. Her boots hurt her feet. She wasn't used to walking. Miracle was a shitty little border town made out of unpainted gray pine boards shrinking in the dry, hot air until light and dust sparkled through the cracks. Justine wasn't sure whether she liked the place or not. She couldn't live there, that was sure. Justine dropped her saddlebags in front of the first tavern she passed. The sign read, The Hat D.G. Ass, and showed a busted shot glass tipped on its side. She waited. The owner came out, a fat man with big arms. He could have broken her in half if he could have caught her. She wiggled her feet inside her boots, getting her balance. What do you want? he asked. Didn't pay to be too rude out in the desert, even to somebody like Justine. I want a room. How long? few days, probably. I'm here to get a horse. He nodded toward her saddlebags. Died in the desert. Shot out from under me. The owner's eyebrows went up. I thought I heard the Amazons got burnt out. He looked to the right. Justine followed his sideline and spotted the jail across the street behind her. You're not here to make trouble, are you? Depends on whether I get my horse. How are you going to pay? Justine opened her hand. She already had a gold coin in her palm. The coin had a woman's head on one side and was blank on the other. The man inhaled quickly. Go on, take it, Justine said. It's not like it means anything anymore. It's just a piece of shiny metal now. Or don't you want it? She tossed it at the man. He caught it. Didn't bother to check it. Follow me, he said. She washed her face and untied her hair so the silver coins jingled free. Then she cleaned her guns, oiled them, and brushed the dirt and dust out of her holsters. She ordered a whiskey at the bar, drank it, crossed herself, and walked across the street to the jailhouse. She stopped outside the door and howled, Giles Karsten, get your mangy, murdering, cheating ass out here, you lying son of a bitch! She was prepared to continue on in such a fashion for quite some time. But Giles came out right away. Her heart leapt in her chest like a hiccup. Giles wasn't pretty. 
He had a big mouth and a beaky nose, and his jaw stuck out like the front of a train. He put his hands on the railing so Justine could see his wedding band shine dull orange in the sunset. He said, What seems to be the problem, miss? You owe me a horse, Justine said. I've never seen you before in my life. Justine spat on the ground. You're lucky all I want from you is a horse. You're a whore, Giles said. I don't have anything to do with whores. It was like they were playing a game or acting out a play. Certain moves had to be made. Justine pulled out a gun. Just one. You'll give me a horse and tack or you'll shoot me down in the street. She held the butt of the gun on her shoulder, pointed up in the air. How about I put you in jail instead? Give me a horse! Justine screamed. It echoed back at her. Justine shook her head. Her coins clinked together. I'm going to eat and go to bed. And at dawn, I'm going to find your horse and take it and ride out of this shithole. Justine put her gun back in her holster and walked back to the hotel, where the owner was standing in the doorway. You getting out of my way? She said. He stepped aside almost as though he hadn't heard her. The man rode into Amazon Valley the same way they all did, blindfolded, hooded, and with his hands tied behind his back. Justine led his horse in the last few miles, admiring the way he swayed in the saddle, perfectly at ease. So what brings you to the valley? she asked. Women, he said. His voice was muffled through the hood. What's your name? Giles. Giles Karsten. Justine laughed. Did you just tell me your real name? Don't do that. Make something up. Like what? John Starr, Justine said. I always wanted to have a sheriff's kid. Giles jumped in his saddle, and Justine said, Gotcha. You're not from around here, are you? Nope. Had to see it for myself. What's your name? Justine, she said. Doesn't sound like a whore's name. Aren't you one of the whores? Justine snorted. We ain't whores. You have sex with men for money. True, we pay them in gold if they're good, but mostly we rob trains and steal horses. They didn't say anything else until they reached the main house. Justine locked the door behind them and took off his hood and blindfold. You're young, he said. Seventeen. She checked the rope on his hands. His wrists were raw and the knot was twisted tight. She clucked her tongue at him. I told you to leave that alone. She cut through the rope and tossed it aside. How does this work? Giles looked around the room like he was trying to memorize it. I take you to the parlor. If somebody wants you, she'll take you upstairs. If not, I take you out back. Giles shook his head. The whore picks me? And what if I beat the shit out of a whore? Can't you leave it alone? Justine asked. I don't like it. Go home then, Justine said. I've already come this far. Justine led him to the parlor. Don't worry, you have a nice face. Somebody will pick you. He snorted out his nose. You must not know much about handsome. It's a good face. Horsey. I like horses. The parlor was full of women with coins in their hair jingling softly or loudly when they laughed. Young women, old women, all of them if not beautiful, were at least striking. Wild. This is John Starr, 
Justine announced. Some of the women nodded at him. Some of them turned away and went back to their conversations. Sophia, one of the lieutenants, pointed at him. You know what they say about men with big noses. Marguerite, who stood six foot seven and weighed three hundred pounds, said, He's arrogant. Sophia said, Aren't they all? Guile snapped. This is no way to treat a man. The room exploded with whoops. Take his horse. Take his balls. Justine said, The hell with you all. I'll take him. Sophia cackled. She's the spitting image of you, Marguerite. Marguerite said, Send him back to his wife, Justine. I'm seventeen. I know. He'll be trouble and you don't care. So get it over with. Just don't break the rules. Justine grabbed the shoulder of Giles' shirt. He shook her hand off. Come right this way. They turned their backs on the room of laughing women and went upstairs. Why do you do this? Giles asked. Justine pushed back a wool blanket patterned with red and yellow diamonds and stripes. First door on the left. Marguerite doesn't want us getting married. Justine's room was a bare, tiny closet with a pallet on the floor. Busted tack and dirty clothes were piled in the corner. The only decoration was a picture of the sacred heart on the wall. The room stank of sweat and horses, but there were worse smells. Giles wrinkled up his nose. What, isn't it clean enough? She asked. Not much of a lady's boudoir. 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 What's that mean? A fancy lady's room. Lots of lace. Pink stuff. Perfume. Uh, face paint or whatever you call it. Oh. You don't have to do anything if you don't want to. I just wanted to keep you out of trouble. Giles shook his head. You're a strange kid. I ain't a kid. I know, I know. Giles said. You've taken men to bed already, and you think that makes you a woman. I've killed men, too, Justine said. She ran her hand through her hair, shaking out the coins. I killed one of them all by myself. Horse thieves. Are you all horse thieves? Justine grinned. Yep, but that's the way of things. You want to anyway? I do. Giles reached for her arm, and Justine jerked it away. What are you doing that for? She asked. That's what you're supposed to do with a woman. Don't you know anything? You're supposed to do it like this. Justine stepped in close, laced her hands around his waist, and kissed him. His lips were dry and chapped, but they felt as light as air. She licked her lips and kissed him again. He tried to move her hands to his shoulders, but she shook him away. Don't be so bossy. She pulled the back of his shirt out of his belt and scratched at the hair back there, feeling it under her fingernails. Are you this hairy all over? He snorted again, and she felt the wind of it on her neck. Justine said, Take your shirt off. What for? Don't you like having your shirt off? She tossed her vest on the floor and shucked out of her Mexican-style shirt. Ugh, I need a bath. Giles blushed. She kissed him again, but he wouldn't kiss her back. What's wrong? I can't do this. He pushed Justine, then jerked his hand away. You're young enough to be my daughter. Justine crossed her arms over her stomach. Oh, come on. You've probably slept with whores younger than me. When he didn't move, she said, Fine, I guess I'll put my shirt back on then. Marguerite told me about this. There's some men who can't stand to touch a free woman. You're not free. She had her knife at his throat before he could say boo. 
You take that back. You're a whore. She pressed down. Take it back. You shouldn't be a whore. You're just a kid. Justine dug the knife in further. He winced. Marguerite was right. We should take your horse and leave you with the banditos. They'll take you to El Paso if you promise them money. He tried to take the knife from her, so she gave him a quick cut on the hand, then put the knife back on his throat. He was quick, though, and strong, and she wasn't sure she could do it again. You're gonna die young, he said, but looking like an old woman, a diseased whore. Stop calling me a whore, she yelled. She heard footsteps in the hall, breathing. He snorted again. Can't say I didn't try to talk sense into you, he said. All right, all right, you're not a whore. I'm sorry. Can I go home now? She sheathed a knife and stepped back. Fine, go. They're going to knock me out as soon as I step out that door, aren't they? Justine latched her fingers behind her head. About the only way you're going to get out of here with your horse and gun is if you spend the night. But I'm not forcing you. Giles cursed. He put his ear up to the door for a second, then stepped back. You're just a kid. Justine rolled her eyes. You're pure loco, mister. Ain't you heard a word I said? You got to get me out of here. If you lay with me, he paced back and forth. I won't be forced. I ain't forcing you. You don't like it, throw a tantrum or attack me. They'll break in the door. Or you could try to wait me out. I might get bored. Fine, he said. He grabbed for her arm. She stepped aside. No grabbing. Giles howled. The door burst open and Sophie and Marguerite wrestled Giles down to the floor. Marguerite put a knife to Giles' neck. Stop! Get off him! Marguerite looked up at Justine, her brows shading all but the lowest parts of her eyes. He doesn't belong here. Quit teasing him. Justine turned her face to the side. Fine. The women pulled Giles to his feet and dragged him out the door before he could get his feet under him. Justine woke in a rush, smelling smoke. She got dressed, holstered her guns and sheathed her knife, then tied her hair back to keep it quiet. When she touched the doorknob, it was warm, but not hot. She cracked open the door. Three gunshots cracked outside, but nobody screamed. A familiar shape hustled toward her and shoved the door open. Justine! Marguerite hissed. It's Sheriff Cowles and about a hundred deputies. They're burning the place down. Get out the south way! What about you? Sophie's been shot. Let me help. Do as I say for once. Get as many horses as you can out the south way and wait for us. If we don't show, track down that bastard and kill him. Which bastard? John Starr, whatever his name is. He led them in. I had him tied and blindfolded. He's up on the hill, Justine. The fire lit him up real good. Now go! Justine pretended to leave, sneaked down to the parlor to help Sophie, and found her dead on the bar. Marguerite found her and chased her out again. Justine crawled along the roof to the horse barn. Two men from El Paso that she knew were guarding the horses. She cut their throats one at a time. So quiet the second one never heard the first fall. She strung six horses together and rode out. She saw him on the hill. In the firelight his face looked like he was crying, but he wasn't. He saw her, but he let her go. At dawn, when none of the women met her at the southern lookout, she rode to El Paso. 
The valley was a burnt-out wreck, but no bodies had been left behind, except Sophie's. She sold all but one horse, bought a saddle and tack, and put the rest of the money in a pouch under her shirt. She went to the Amazon's favorite bar and asked them if they knew who Giles Karsten was. He's in jail, Malo, the bartender, said. He's been arrested, she said. Malo laughed. Nah, he's a visiting sheriff. They used him to lead the El Paso sheriff down to the valley, because none of you would recognize him. Left a trail of black sand, I hear. She shook her head, which was still tied and silent. What are they going to do with my ma? Hang her, Malo said. Horse thief. You think they'll arrest me if I go see her? Malo considered it. Maybe. The jail held only six women, including Marguerite. She had blood caked on her face. She was missing about half her teeth along the left side of her jaw, and her hair had been cut down to the scalp. They couldn't take her size away. Marguerite was still so big, Justine didn't know how the jail could hold her. The cell was guarded by a single deputy, but about fifty men were within earshot, reliving the raid in the bar next door. She didn't recognize the deputy, and he let her visit the women as soon as she turned her guns and knives over to him. I'm going to get you out of here, she told Marguerite. Don't be an idiot, Marguerite said. You kill that Judas goat yet? No, Ma, she said. Then go. They're going to hang me Wednesday morning, and I don't want to die without knowing he's gone to hell ahead of me. Someone called from the front room. The deputy eyed them, then left. Justine could still see the heel of his boot. He hadn't gone far. I'll get you out of here. We can start over again. We'll get a whole town full of women who live free. And they'll send an army after us, just like they did with the Cherokee. Giles walked into the holding area, wearing his badge. He grabbed Justine's arm. She jerked it away. You don't belong here, miss, Giles said. Marguerite flapped her hands at Justine and turned her back. A second later, the other five women did the same. Justine snorted. The hell with you two. Then she followed Giles out of the room. He let her past the deputy, out of the jail, and around the back of the building. She slapped him the second they were out of sight. You led them straight to us. Yes, he said, not softening it. No more whoring horse thieves. I hope that makes you feel better. As long as you're all right. She glared at him. I ain't all right. My mother's getting hung. My home's gone. The women who raised me are dead. All I have left is my horse. What did you expect? That your ma's brothel would last forever? Yes, she said. I thought I'd never get out. That stopped him for a second. What do you want then? Come with me. What? No, just no. I'm going home. I'm the sheriff of a small town in Texas a few hundred miles from here. Married. Justine stuck her hands in her belt, leaned forward and kissed him. The smell of him. The heat from his chest. To her surprise, he kissed her back, tentatively putting his arms around her shoulders. He led her backward to the wall. She unbuckled her pants and pulled him toward her. He picked her up, glanced around, and slipped her onto him. They were quiet. They were quick. It was more of a promise than a pleasure, although it was that. She panted on his shoulder, then tossed her head without thinking. Luckily, her hair was still tied back. She bit his shoulder to stifle a giggle. I've got a favor to ask you, she said. I won't. No, listen, it's a good one. 
The next day, he was gone. His rooms had been torn up. The hotel owner said he thought he'd heard an argument late the night before, but hadn't gone to check. There was blood in the bed and a hole in the mattress, a knife slash. His horse was gone, but not his luggage. The town was in an uproar looking for him. The same deputy was on duty, left behind. He let her visit her mother, no questions asked. Marguerite's face looked worse than it had the day before. He's dead then? Justine reached into the jail cell and grabbed her mother's hand. It's over. They'll never find him. I can die in peace now. Ma, please. No, you go on. I don't want you caught. Live a free woman like I taught you. If I lived the way you taught me, I'd burn this place down and kill everyone in it to get you free. You know what I mean, Marguerite said. She settled back on the bed, leaning her head against the wall, closing her eyes. Justine left. Ten miles out of El Paso, he was waiting for her. Stop following me, he said. I don't have nowhere to go. Don't follow me. I'm not leaving my wife for you. The sheriff's got to be a godly man. I don't care about that. Giles pulled out his revolver and shot Justine's horse through the neck. He knew just right where to shoot. The blood pumped out on the dry ground and sank in like it'd never been there. The horse fell to its knees. Justine jumped off before he could fall on her and screamed like a bird of prey. Giles turned his horse, spurred it, and ran away. And now she was in miracle, lying in bed awake, waiting to get shot or arrested. Nothing happened by the time it was almost dawn, so she got up. She already had her hair tied back and her boots on. Her guns were under her pillow. She ducked out the window to the balcony, slid down the side and jumped, landing in a crouch behind the building. She'd found out earlier where Giles' horse was from some drunks she'd played poker with. Within a minute, she was standing outside his open window, pushing the curtains aside with a stick. His wife was sitting at the kitchen table under an oil lamp, knitting and letting her coffee get cold. The needles clicked together. She bent over, sighed, and pulled out a row of stitches. She rubbed the back of her neck and started knitting again. Marguerite's mother had taught her to ride and shoot. This woman's mother had taught her to knit, to pass the time while she couldn't sleep, waiting for her husband to come home. Justine dropped the stick and walked to the edge of town, not far. She would have gone home then, if she'd had a home to go to. She heard footsteps behind her. "'What were you doing outside my house?' Giles asked. She turned. "'Looking at your wife. She's pretty. Prettier than me, anyway.' "'Yeah,' he said. "'You gonna pay me for that horse? I'll give you the money. I want you to pay for my horse.' "'No.' The crickets wailed their lonely songs, but the stars sniggered, glad to be out of it. "'What are you going to do?' he asked. "'I ain't going to work as a whore at the hotel just so you can fuck me when you want me.' Justine walked along the road, her feet finding the ruts and hating them. She brushed some dust off her vest. "'So none of your business, I guess.' "'Kiss me. Please kiss me.' Their footsteps crunched the dry ground, walking parallel wheel tracks. You had your chance, she said. Please. She rolled her eyes. All right.
As far as she could tell, nobody had noticed she'd left the hotel and come back again. She checked her saddlebags and the gold coins in their pouch and sat at the bar to drink some coffee. Her stomach was unsettled, and she made herself feel better by making her stomach feel worse. Then she walked over to the jail and howled. Giles Karsten, if you ain't gonna pay me for my horse, at least give me the satisfaction of coming out here so I can shoot you. But after a few minutes of people opening up their doors and staring at her, with no movement at the jail, it became obvious that Giles wasn't there. Her face red, she walked to his house and kicked in the door. Her foot damn near got stuck when it went through the cheap planks. He was sitting at the table with his wife. She was holding his hands. Her tiny hands were white at the knuckles. Giles said, You could have knocked. I shouldn't have fucked you in El Paso. Giles, his wife said. Justine heard the sound of a gun being cocked behind her. Felt cold metal against her neck. Put your hands up, a voice said. Justine raised both revolvers in the air. She grinned at Giles. Giles said, No, Smith. But it was too late. Justine dropped to a crouch and kicked the legs out from under the man behind her. His gun went off. He fell. She pinned him to the ground with one gun to his ear and the other swinging around to cover the street. Another deputy stood at the corner of the house. His hands were shaking. Justine said, You pay for my horse, Giles. Behind her, Giles said, Take my horse and go. There was something about the way he said it. Justine knelt back off the deputy's chest and faced the room. Slumped over in her chair was the wife, a splatter of blood on the table. Her hands were gripping Giles' hands, but getting wider. Justine said, He shot her. She looked at the man below her. You shot her. Giles said, No, Justine, it's my fault. No. The wife's hands dropped, and she slid out of her chair. Giles cradled her to the floor. The man on the ground started yelling and thrashing around, so Justine kicked the side of his head and he stopped. More people were coming, and the deputy at the corner of the house had raised his gun toward her. She stepped back, stepped over the man on the floor, and knelt next to Giles and his wife. The wife's wound gaped and sucked air through her bloody dress. Justine fired once at the deputy, through the wall, as he sidled around toward the door, but she only aimed to scare him off. When the wife died, she got up. Her mother, the women at the valley, Giles's wife. Justine crossed herself and walked to the door, shooting the man on the floor as she passed. There was no forgiveness in her. Mill Desperandum is edited and published by Jim Phillips. Audio production in conjunction with the Bear Crawling Nation. Engineer Hugh Morrison and executive producer Charles McFall. And Nil Desperandum is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license.